Life Audio. God wants to bless us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to give us so much richness of life. But we have to be able to receive it. We can't harden our hearts so that we don't hear, so that we can't see. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Paul Angoni, and I will be back to talk about how and why we should be listening to our day. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Paul Angoni is a trusted and sought-after voice to young professionals, people going through change and transitions, and those looking to live more intentional lives, which I think is every single one of us in that category. He is the best-selling author of 101 Secrets for Your 20s, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s, 25 Lies 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing, And his most recent book is called Listen to Your Day, The Life-Changing Practice of Paying Attention, which is what we are going to be talking about today. Paul is also the creator of allgrownup.com and the All Grown Up podcast. And he lives just outside of Denver with his wife, Naomi, and their four children. Paul, thank you so much for making some space to be with us today. Glad you're here. Yes, thank you for having me on. It's an honor being here. All right. Well, let's just dive in. And I want to hear about where did this idea of listen to your day come from? What was burning in you? And you said, I have to write a book on this. Yeah, I think similar to all my books is it really started with my own personal failures and struggles and feeling like I'm really missing something. So that's why there's so many 20 something books is because I felt (laughs) like I was failing in my 20s. Uh, It was a really hard decade of my life. And and now with this new book, I really felt like I was just living a distracted life. I wasn't paying attention to what was important. Or I would say certain things were important. And yet, if you looked at my time spent, I was spending my time, a majority of my time on things I wouldn't deem important. And uh, even simple things like reading a book was mm. becoming more difficult, mm. let alone writing a book. Uh, so I really had to enact and, and really change practices and habits in my own life to even have a chance at writing a book about the topic. So it really went hand in hand. I really had to live it out. And I really was forced to change through years. You know, it, it's about a two-year process of researching and writing and really trying to get to the core of the heart of, okay, what is the problem here? And then what's the solution? And what do I do differently so that I hopefully live a more intentional, meaningful life, pursuing my purpose 
instead of just living for distractions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the problem. I know there's a lot of problems for why we're not paying attention. It feels like there's a glaring one we need yeah. to talk about. So <laughs> tell us about the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's. it seems like it's the biggest one for most of us now is our smartphone or our smartwatch. I've definitely even seen the difference with friends that have gone from the phone to the watch mm-hmm. where now it's attached to your skin. And, and now the, the amount that they, they look away and are checking their watch while you're trying to talk to them. You know, with one, with one friend, uh, they actually conditioned me that I just, they looked at the watch so many times I would just lose them. And then I would just pull out my phone and it was like for five, 10 minutes, it would be like this. Cause I'm just like, I've lost them. I'm going to, I'm going to get distracted too. Uh, <laughs> but, but really my own life, I mean, I'm, I was spending five, six hours a day on my phone, which on average is, is the majority of Americans five, six years ago was about two hours a day. Now it's jumping up to four, five, six hours a day. Wow. So if you do the math, if you did that from age 13 to age 83, that would be about 15 years of your life that you're looking at your phone or 22 hours of your waking hours. If we're just talking about the time that you're awake, I think a lot of us feel like I don't have enough time in my day. I don't feel like I'm accomplishing much. I I feel fragmented or I don't have much clarity. Like what next step should I take? And I think a lot of that can be drawn back to this this fact that we're living so distracted in this Mm -hmm. very noisy world with alerts and headlines coming at us all the time. So I think it's becoming increasingly hard Mm -hmm. for us to be still, for us to have coherent thoughts, for us to find these places where, you know, if we're not having any breakthrough ideas in our life, maybe it's because we're not giving ourselves any time or space to think about them. And so I think that was definitely the case for me and the the interactions with my phone and social media in, in, in general. Yeah, that math is stunning. I mean, to think about 15 years of our life or 22 years, depending on how you count. And it feels like the trajectory is only increasing. Mm -hmm. And to think, what could we do with 15 years of our lives instead of staring at a tiny little screen, which after even jumping down that rabbit hole for 20 minutes unintentionally, I am not fulfilled. No. Doing that for 15 years, that's scary to me. Obviously, we all know this is a problem. It's not, this is not news to anybody that's listening to this podcast. And it's easy to say, well, you just put your phone away, right? Yeah. But that's not actually as easy as it sounds. Talk about a little bit about that. I think a lot of us are maybe living a little ashamed or we don't want to talk about the fact of how much time we're spending on our phone or we don't really want to change it necessarily, or we're struggling with that, that dynamic. And and so first of all, I think we, we have to be willing to have that conversation with people and even ask for help or have mentors or people that you're going to walk alongside with. And that's the point of the book too, is for us to make changes. So in the book, there's lots of places for people to write as they're paying attention to their day. There's lots of exercises so that we can make real changes with how much time we're spending on our phone. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's simple things. I I list out a lot of practical steps and tools, simple things like I have a screensaver on my phone now, on my phone wallpaper image, which is a question that asks me every time I look at my phone, do you need to look at your phone right now? (laughs) And, uh, And that's been really helpful. That's caught me about half the time from having now a conscious thought and saying, you know, no, I don't need to look at my phone. I don't know why I'm looking at my phone. It was just this reflex Pavlovian dog response where I'm hearing some bell 
but my phone's not even ringing, but right. it's just calling me now. It's just yeah. summoning me. And so I, so even simple things like that can catch ourselves putting the phone in a different room when you come home, turning off all notifications. If you, whatever notification you can turn off, turning those off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think simple steps like that, but then also getting to some deeper motivations, which I lay out in the book, you know, related to your, your purpose, your why, your mm-hmm. goals. I think we have to be more defined and intentional about thinking about some of these and paying attention to them because we really only see what we've chosen to see. You see what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I think we've viewed paying attention as kind of this passive response that we just pay attention. We just see things that come across our vision, but actually psychologists have, are studying and have shown us through uh, what they call inattentional blindness that we actually don't see a lot of stuff that comes across our field of vision every day. So we really only see what we've chosen to see. And, and so it's a choice of what we will pay attention to or not. Yeah. That makes me think of the scripture passage that you suggested for us to meditate on is yeah. Philippians 4, 8, which I love this passage. I have loved this passage for years and years and years. And it's really part of even this process of meditating. People say, well, where's where's it say we're supposed to meditate in scripture? I'm like, well, first of all, it actually does. Psalm 1, there are many places in scripture I could point you to, but in the New Testament, this is where I go. And it says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So tell us, why does that passage matter to you? And what is what do you think Paul's getting at when he's yeah. inviting us to notice those things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really a cry and a call to pay attention to what's important. That's why I had the verse in my book, because it really felt like this is a a seminal verse. This is a core message of why I think this book is important because we have to think about this. It's even in, it's in that verse. Think about what is good, what is noble, what is holy, righteous. We have to think about these things. Again, we're making a choice, which then is directing our attention. I think a lot of what is good, what is right, what is holy, what is beautiful, it's all there every day. It's just we don't see it because we're not paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you can have you can have two kids that grow up in the same house with the same parents, very similar experiences, and one can be very angry and bitter and frustrated with the world, and one can be very happy and joyful and excited about the world. And I think, I mean, it, there's a lot to that, but I think some of it can be just what they decided at some point to pay attention to. Am I going to focus on the bad, the stuff that I've had to go through and, and maybe blame God with it? Or am I going to focus on the good, the righteous, the blessings of life, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe be, you know, just be thankful for the, what is God has blessed me with. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think that directs our attention, which then changes the course of our day and our life where we, now we can receive what is gracefully being offered to us mm-hmm. every every day. Yeah, I think that's so, it's so, so true because when things feel like they're spiraling out of control in our mind, bad advice is stop thinking about that <laughs> because you can't just stop mm-hmm. thinking. You have to actually replace your thinking with something else. And so that's what I love about this passage is it's telling us to think about these things. And when you do 
you start noticing them more and more, which is exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So it is this whole heart, mind, soul shift that happens to us. And it changes more than just that moment. It actually Mm -hmm. changes everything about our days and our lives. We're going to pause here for a quick break, and then we'll be right back. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay. One thing that you said just a minute ago that I want to go back to is we were talking about how we're just spending so much time on our phones. You said a lot of us don't want to change. Hmm. And I think part of that is something you address in your book that I want to talk about, which is about embracing awkward, boring, and quiet spaces. And I think a lot of us, those things feel so uncomfortable to us now. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to sit in those spaces because we can fix it right away mm-hmm. if we pick up our phones. So talk to us about why that's important. Yeah. I don't like being awkward. I don't like being uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like these things either. <laughs> uh, so it is, it's difficult for me, but I've really tried to build new practices where I don't feel that, that twinge of awkwardness or that twinge of uncomfortability, whether I'm standing in a line or I'm in my car, even I'm just bored. Uh, I'm at a meeting or whatever it is, and I have that that escape into my phone. I kind of call us cultural escape artists, where we've all become very good at escaping quickly. And mm-hmm. so we, re- we remove ourselves from that moment. I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought it was interesting that really, in a, in a sense, what we're doing, especially for somebody that's a believer, is that really we've replaced a moment that we probably would have prayed in the past with mm-hmm. our phone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, both P words, we just replaced it where, you know, in that uncomfortable, awkward, maybe we're afraid kind of moment in the past, we might've sent out a prayer or just had time and just ask God a question or God be with me in this place or God, what do you want to show me right here? Or I feel like I should talk to this person in front of me. Like I just heard them saying, it seems like they're going through something hard. Maybe I'm here for this moment. You know, all this, all these conversations that would have been happen, happening really throughout the course of history is now being switched on its head mm-hmm. to where now it's, let me jump on and, and what I call, you know, obsessive connection disorder or obsessive comparison disorder. 
these ideas that now we're just jumping on our phone and obsessively connecting with anything online, whatever it is, it doesn't even matter what it is. And then also I'm going to obsessively compare myself with all these other people, all these images. And so that this moment that could have been filled with something beautiful is now being filled with anxiety or fears or, or feelings of lack. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I do think we have to protect, we need these boring, awkward, uncomfortable moments because, you know, I, as I say often that the possibility for greatness and embarrassment, they both exist in the same space. So you can't really have one or the other. So we have to allow both to be a real possibility in our life. Yeah. That brings to mind something else you said in your book that I thought was so good was just the fact that I don't know what you threw out some percentage, 99.9% of the time, the really amazing things that happen to us in our lives were not these planned encounters. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about there, these kind of providential moments of our lives. And if we aren't paying attention, we run the risk of missing something that could, could really be life altering. Uh Exactly. And I call them, you know, not so chance encounters. We, we talk about chance encounters. I I would say kind of like what you were saying, not so chance encounters, Mm -hmm. these kind of providential moments, which I believe happen. And that's kind of the tenet of the book. I believe these are happening all the time. God wants to bless us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to give us so much richness of life, but we have to be able to receive it. We can't harden our hearts so that we don't hear, so that we can't see. That was warnings that Jesus would, that laid out there, you know, that they will harden Mm -hmm. their hearts so they cannot see, can they cannot hear. And I don't want to live a life like that. And so we really are uh, missing those moments. And and when we start changing that perspective and start focusing on that, I think, I think we'll be surprised and amazed in how much we're being told, how much we're receiving every day that's an answer to prayer that we maybe didn't hear or see in the past. Okay. So I'm curious, as you've been practicing this, being more intentional, put your phone away, be awkward, (laughs) be whatever. You're not awkward. Uh, Well, I can be. We'll call it boring and quiet (laughs) to embrace those spaces. (laughs) What have you noticed? What's some of the fruit that you've noticed that's come out of saying no so that you can have that better? Yes. Yeah. I mean, one, one prime example, and this happened a little earlier in my life, but I would, I would always encourage people, even when they're going to networking or conferences, which I don't really like, I'm not a, I'm not an overly extroverted person. So that's more difficult for me, but I would even encourage people to do what I, what I call the awkward wander where you just awkwardly wander around, you know, again, no set plan, no meetings, just walk around and talk, you know, if you're at a conference, there's all these people there, especially at the tables, and they're, they're awkward. They feel awkward. No one's talking to them. Everybody's trying to avoid them. And I would just walk around and talk to these people just as practice almost mm. and just to see what could happen. And uh, it was one of those moments at a conference where I was talking to a lady and she was at a publishing house. She was a sales rep at a publishing house. And we started talking and she's like, you know what? The VP of marketing, you were like the exact person he loves and wants to meet. I need to introduce you to, to him. And that awkward encounter of me just wandering up and saying hi, that led to my second book deal was that moment. So even things like that, these are real prime examples. But even now, as I've been writing this book, something I've changed is I've scheduled about a 45 minute hike into my working day. Mm. So now that is a habit. That's a practice uh, where I do it at the same time every day. 
and that's been a really fruitful, I mean, rich habit for me that so much so that I, I, I yearn to go on these hikes. I, I cherish them. Mm. It's almost like as if I was addicted to Rocky Road ice cream. Now I'm addicted to going on this hike for spiritual, mental, emotional, physical benefits. But also I feel like it's the most productive 45 minutes of my day because I'm getting all these aha moments. I'm getting all this revelation. I'm writing a lot of my book while on that hike. I'm taking notes on my phone because all these things are starting to gel in my brain. And that's what studies have shown us. We, we get so much of that in these quiet moments where we feel at peace. Mm-hmm. So those are some things that I've changed or I began to practice anew while writing this book, which helped me then write the book. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that when you go on that 45 minute walk, you aren't paying attention to other things. You're paying attention to walking. So you're not listening yeah. to podcasts and music and because we can also be very distracted even in that. So I started paying attention to that of how many people do I pass that are by themselves and listening to something. And it's probably like seven out of 10 on a normal day. And it always feels like a paradox to me that we've all gone to great lengths to carve out this space, to sacrifice this time, to go on this hike, to get away. And yet we still feel this need that I need to bring some other source here. Uh, So for me, I don't do that. But at the end, I usually am pulling out my phone and creating some video because I'm just so excited about something. <laughs> I just so I just want to talk and and it's where I'm making most of my videos for Instagram. So I am posting these on social media. So there is that little bit of a distraction at the end. But it's just because I want to take note of what I've been hearing. Mm-hmm. And so I quickly just jump on so I feel like I can capture it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have the advantage. So I'm a little sad because I live in concrete land and near Dallas. And so I don't get the mountains, but I still can go out and just walk and even just observe what's happening with Mm. my neighbors or what's happening around me and see, I mean, there is still so much to see, even though I'm not in I can't call it a 45 minute hike. I just can't. It's a 45 minute walk through the neighborhood here. (laughs) And so there's still ways that we can really be mindful and pay attention. And I'm with you. God works out so many of the kind of stuck places happen to me when I change either that or take a shower. Mm -hmm. Something happens, the sensory, the just the letdown and all of a sudden the aha moment comes, the solution happens, and all, all kinds of things get worked out in, mm-hmm. in those moments that you think aren't going to be productive and they wind up being the most productive part of our day. Yeah. And that's why I even talk about the importance of mind wandering. Those times when you're, you're letting your mind wander, when you're doing the dishes or gardening or taking a shower, these are the, the places when our mind is trying to solve problems that we've been working on. And so it really is this profound time. That's why we have to protect these times. We have to carve out these spaces or at least protect these spaces because we're losing that sense of aha moments. Mm -hmm. We have to protect those, what I call silent silos in our life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have four kids that are under 12 years old. uh, So there's not like a bunch of silence in my house all the time. So even if it's just a moment stepping into my backyard, you know, just for two minutes and taking a breath, listening feeling more rooted in that moment. It's more helpful for me than, okay, let me just take out my phone to escape. Uh, that becomes an anti-productive break. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that you talk about, which I found really helpful is these practical ways we can be more mindful. And there are these whole mindset shifts really. Um, and you give six of them, which are the mindset of an entrepreneur, a farmer, a writer, a consultant, an investigator, and a monk. So there's, I want to unpack them all, but we don't have time. So tell me, which one do you really like and unpack it for us a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I liked these models and there's different things I practice because it's almost like you, if you think to yourself, I wish I thought like they do. It's kind of a way to begin doing that, to practice new lenses, to pay attention to our day through. So even something simple like an entrepreneur, even if you don't think of yourself as an entrepreneur, it's fun to take the practice of, well, let me, let me look at my day like an entrepreneur. And one thing that I call out in the book is that entrepreneurs look at their problems in a different way. Mm. So they might pay attention to their problems as opportunities, as something to solve. You know, and I lay out different fun stories of the classic entrepreneur stories of inventions and where they came from, because I love that. I love that, that way of thinking of my problems aren't something to just run away from or pretend they're not there or just complain about, what if my problems were actually a gift? Maybe it was something I need to solve because I'm passionate about this thing because I feel the pain of this problem. And that typically is how people become passionate about something. Mm -hmm. They've experienced the pain and the problem of something. So they want to do something about. So even those shifts and there's space in each of those models for people then write down and I encourage people, okay, what are your problems? Focus on those today. It doesn't sound like a fun exercise, uh, <laughs> but it could be. It can, I think it leads to a lot of revelation in that way. So that's one quick example of yeah. the entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, I really liked that one. I kept thinking there are so many times in my life when I have been frustrated by a lack of solution and I've just left it there. I've just been frustrated by it mm-hmm. and I haven't paid attention enough to ask more questions. And then wouldn't you know it, but a few years later, somebody else has come back and solved that problem for me. And I'm like, well, (laughs) if I had only thought of that, (laughs) I don't think I want to build the business, but there is something to looking at the problem, not as such a roadblock, but maybe as an opportunity. I love how you said that. That's really Mm -hmm. great. Let's talk real quick about the monk mindset. Cause I Mm -hmm. think That's really what we're trying to do here in this podcast is really helping people create space for God in their lives, realizing that spaciousness of our mind and our heart and our soul really creates space for God, but Mm -hmm. helps us be who he's created us to be. So tell us a little bit about that one and how you have practiced it. Yeah, that's really that call for silence, for reflection that leads to revelation, for contemplation that leads to clarity. It is taking those times to have those moments. And I have, a, I think, a quote in the book from a, a documentary I was watching from a nun who, who was saying that silence has become an endangered species. Mm. I loved hearing that. And I'm, I'm definitely drawn to those times where I just need to be in silence. Be still and know that I am God. Be mm. still and be filled with my truth, with, again, those things that are good. I think when we're still and we seek out those moments to really just commune with God and not feel like I need some other source to fill me right now, it is those moments that I feel like we will feel rooted. And I think we're losing a sense of that in our culture Mm -hmm. where we don't, we feel so just hurried and busy and distracted and everything, fragmented lives. 
And I think this is a call to become more whole, mm-hmm. to be living from that place of, of health and wholeness and awareness so that we're drawn to the important stuff of life. And then when the, when the other stuff comes, we're more e- easily able to say, you know what, uh, that's okay. I don't need to focus on that. That's, it's actually not that big of a deal because I now know what's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an important, mm-hmm. very important mindset and, pr- and practice for all of us to, to go through. It's mm, good. Well, Paul, I'm curious, what would be some encouragement you have to the so much more listeners for people that are wanting to make this shift to be more mindful of their day? And really, I mean, we talked mostly about the phone as the main distraction, but to put the technology away to be more mindful, what's some encouragement you have for them? Yeah, I think, you know, it's okay to narrow our focus. It's okay to just feel like maybe I need to narrow my focus because that's really what an expert has done. You know, we, we applaud experts and really all an expert's done is they've just narrowed their focus to concentrate and, and pay attention to something that's important to them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'd really encourage you today. I want you to ask those questions of, okay, what is my purpose? What are my values? My why? You know, and if it's helpful, pick up my book because I'm going to walk you through some of that. But your purpose is worth paying attention to. So take the time to, to start seeing that and narrowing your focus. Don't feel like you got to see it all or have this fear of missing out. Focus in on what's important to you. And I think you'll be amazed at the fruit that begins to grow from that choice of you choosing what you're going to pay attention to now. Yeah, oh, that's good. That's Those are some good words. And I think the thing I would add to that is be gracious with yourself because mm-hmm. when anytime we're trying something new or starting something new, we're going to feel the phantom phone in our pocket. Mm-hmm. We're going yeah. to start feeling that twitch. You talk a lot about in the book that that really we're facing an addiction in a lot of ways. And that's what we're trying to unwind and, and peel ourselves away from. And anytime you're creating a new habit, you just have to be gracious with yourself and you're mm-hmm. going to fail and you start over yep. <laughs> and you start over and you start over and you start over because like you've said, we do want lives that matter. We do want to be doing the things that God has called us to do mm-hmm. and not the thing that's, that the world is calling us to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're definitely not alone in this too. That's the big thing. And be the one that's willing to say, you know, I, I'm struggling with this or ask a friend, say, Hey, can you help me keep, keep me accountable? You know, bringing people along for the journey. We're not mm-hmm. meant to go on this journey alone in any part of our life. So don't feel like you got to tackle this by yourself too, you know, create a group and, and all of you walk through this together. I think that's really important because mm-hmm. you're not, you're not alone. You know, we're living such isolated, lonely lives in a world that we're instantly connected with everybody. So we've got to break that cycle too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Paul, thank you so much. This was just a really good, encouraging, sobering conversation to hear <laughs> some of this and really realizing and remembering what is the life we want and how do we pay attention to our days so that we can be living and using our time intentionally? So thank you. Thanks for encouraging us. Thank you for having me on. Well, friends, I'm going to put links for how you can find Paul, how you can get his book, all the things, um, how you can follow him on social media after his life-giving walks and watch those videos. (laughs) Those will all be in there. So make sure you go into the show notes for that. And I also do just want to take a quick second to thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. So if you go to lifeaudio.com, there you will see that there are 
our many other faith-centered podcasts in the network, shows about prayer and Bible study, parenting, and even this one on scripture meditation and thoughtful conversations. And as always, I do want to thank you again for joining me and Paul today on so much more because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Hey there, it's Carly Mercouli, your host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.